You know, this morning is, is about hunger and humility to enter into a relationship. That's what it's about. You can feel it. You can sense it. It's actually, it is, I haven't really, he hasn't really given me a message for today, but it is what I sensed as I was praying it out this morning, was a hunger for God and a humility to enter into the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. And uh, so just keep that in mind. And before we, before we get going, uh, let me have that microphone. Uh, I just, we have a special guest with us today, and I think we've only met once, right? <laughs> but instantly we knew that God had done some things, and um, uh, this is Brother Chico and his wife. I'd like for you to introduce your family, and then I'm going to say a couple of things, but then I'm going to pull you back up here in a minute. So will you just introduce yourself, and, and you've been working with Brother David Hogan down in uh, Mexico, which some of the folks know who he is. So anyway, just... Introduce yourself. Hello, my name is uh, my name is Chris, but everyone calls me Chico. That's a name they gave me. They gave me in the streets uh, a long time ago, so I ju I just kept it. So, uh, my wife Casey. <laughs> Amen. And my bo my son Samuel, Elijah, and Noah. <laughs> Amen. Let's give him a warm welcome. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you say some more in a minute. Amen. You can just hold on to that if you want to. So, um, so I wanted I wanted to have that introduction because once we we start flowing in the Holy Ghost, I want it to just be that portion of it. And uh, if uh, you would quickly turn your turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter five and verse six, Matthew five six, and then we'll go to Psalm one hundred seven. Glory to God. Sotalama opaya ashima ofreko frebos do blekamo. Beneme kutu flope. Steneka polupatanama. Ah, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for pouring out today. Ah, thank you for breaking limits. Thank you, Father, for breaking limits. I just, I, I really sense the Lord saying to you today that. You shouldn't look at today as just like a, a message. You should look at today as an invitation from the Father to go to a higher place. And that means that you don't look at it as like I'm just sitting in another church service or I'm just hearing, you know, Brian preach another few minutes. You know, you shouldn't look at it like that. Uh, Paul said it like this. He said, you know, he, he was talking to one group of people and he said, they, they received the words I was preaching as they actually are, as if God was speaking to him. So, you know, every person that gets up and speaks is not God speaking through. But when you have a person that's hooked up and connected with God, and you can discern this, you can discern this, you just have to make sure your, your mind and your logic's not in the way, but in your spirit you can discern it. Where it's not just a guy person. Have you ever been in a service and somebody says something and you're like, that was God talking to me, you know? And, and that's what you have to understand. Now, I can get up here and part of what I can say because I'm human and I got a flesh that, that it doesn't, you know, it, it's not in line with God. And I have, to, I have to put it down. I have to be diligent to put my flesh down. So I can get up here and I can miss that every now and then. I'm not 
not wanting to, but I can say something I shouldn't say. But ultimately, I'm always looking to only say what the Father says, just like what Jesus did. Only did what he saw the Father do, and he only spoke what he heard the Father say. And I'm seeking to do that. And in the midst of that, there'll be words that God speaks to you. Now, when you look at it like there's just a person up here, then you're going to receive on a person level. But when you look at it like God's flowing through that person, then you're going to receive on the different level. And uh, I, I know the Lord's going to be speaking to you today. And it'll be coming through a fleshly man, but it'll be God. And if you'll get the logic and the reasoning out of the way and open up your spirit, man, you'll be able to receive and go to something that you haven't been to before. So in Matthew chapter 5, so purpose yourself to receive. And, and over, uh, just so you know, interpretation of tongues doesn't always have to be announced. That's never, it's never, um, I just sensed I need to say that. Um, interpretation, there's not a scripture that says there has to be a big announcement over interpretation of tongues. People have put that on there like, here's the interpretation. That, it doesn't say that. It says that they'll have tongues, but then it says, and also it doesn't have to just be a word, and it doesn't give the restraints that it has to follow right then either. Like a lot of times it should, but not every time does it, right? Uh, but one of the things it said is right after it talks about interpretation, it then says, uh, let, me, let me just show it to you real quick so that it's not just me, but it's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. So if you look at verse 5, he says, Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. Uh, and, and the reason he says that is because tongues without interpretation is not understood, and the gospel is meant to be communicated. It's meant to be understood, but it's also meant to be spiritually discerned, not just mentally discerned. Most people... Uh, in our society, they're trying to understand everything. Uh, so, for instance, if I get up here, I'm going to tell you a story in just a few minutes. And if you've heard that story before, your mind would say, oh, I've heard this story before. Click. But if you don't understand what's actually happening. You turn off. You don't understand what's actually happening is with words, there's a spiritual impartation. You see it in Jesus where Jesus would say these words. They don't look like they're that great. But the authority and the spiritual impartation that he had going on with it, they'd say, where does this man get that authority? Right? Because there was a package going out with those words. And so I can tell you a story. Oh, I've heard that before. You click off not realizing that there's a spiritual package with that spiritual story. And if you will not click off but stay receptive, you'll receive those things. Right? You'll receive what God has for you. So right here he's saying, he's saying this. He said, look, I wish that you spoke in tongues. And, but I don't just want to give the spiritual package. I want them to understand too. I want the, what's discerned spiritually to turn into revelation knowledge where the mind is also renewed. And he says here, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies. So a lot of people say, well, I just, he just wants us to prophesy. That's not what he's saying. Finish reading. He says, he, greater is one who prophesies than he who speaks in tongues. 
unless, say unless, unless he interprets. In other words, what the Holy Spirit's saying here is when you have tongues and then interpretation, it equates to prophecy because those words are then uh, given. It says, and I want that in a public setting because then the church receives edifying. So we're just talking about interpretation and the importance of it. And then in verse 6 it says, now, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues... What will I profit you unless, see the connection there, unless, say it, unless, unless I speak to you. So what he's going to say, what he's going to show you is how the interpretation can come. So many people think the interpretation, I pray in tongues, and then they think that right after that you have to announce it, which that never says it. This is the interpretation, like it needs horns and, and an announcement there. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. You see right here that if I say in tongues, it won't profit you unless you have the interpretation. Then in the next verse it says, it won't profit you unless I speak to you by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching. So see, all of these can be the interpretation. So in other words, I can pray in tongues here at the beginning. I don't have to announce it, but in a second I teach it, which is probably what's happening right now. I prayed in tongues a few seconds ago, and then all of a sudden I felt led by the Holy Ghost to teach. I'm, I was literally praying out the teaching. So this would be the interpretation. And now you see how the Holy Spirit is working without announcing it, right? And so a lot of people get bent and they get, they get wound up because it doesn't fit their frame. But a lot, of, a lot of times their frame has been added to and not out of the word. But see, here you can see it very clearly that the interpretation can be revelation. It can, something can be revealed to you. It can be a word uh, speaking. It. it can be knowledge where there's knowledge. I, I pray in tongues and all of a sudden I know something. Maybe about your ministry or what you're called to or something that happened. I can have like a word of knowledge. Or it can be a word of prophecy. I can prophesy from this day forward. You will never be the same, but you will be the head and not the tail. And when the devil starts to come into your life, those those. Uh, Attacks against you will fall to nothing. And I can be specific to one person. All of a sudden I'm prophesying. If somebody will say I received that. They can walk that out for the rest of their life. As they esteem the word. It will be esteemed to come to pass in their life. Or it can be teaching. Right. So you heard me pray in tongues. I didn't know what I was praying in tongues. At the moment I'm having to seek the Lord too. But then here's this teaching coming right after that. That's the interpretation. So doesn't that just like take the, take the hard part off of it? It's like, oh, okay, I can relax in this now, you see? And so the reason I say all that is because I want you to understand this. Um, we need to open up ourselves to understand that there's something that's coming across. There's something that's coming across besides words. This morning you're going to hear words. You're going to hear words that your mind can understand. But you don't need to just let your mind understand it or move to the place of reason. You need to open up yourself to the place where all of a sudden uh, God can impart the spiritual things to you. He can get to you a hunger and a new level 
Because I'm not just listening to a same old story. I'm listening to something spiritual. And I might not can explain everything that's happening right now. But as I'm hearing this, I'm in the right place at the right time. I'm in my place at the church that I'm called to. And God's given, given a, a, a vision for the day. He's given words for the day. As I get myself open and honor God and where he's placed me and what I'm doing, I can receive what God has for me today. And it'll start breaking stuff open in my life and I'll receive you know today the hunger to go to new places in God right to move into that intimacy that God has for us so if you look at this so don't just sit there looking at it like it's normal this is supernatural what's happening this morning there's there's something in uh, the air so to speak it's supernatural it'll only be supernatural to the ones who receive it like that so in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Now these, these uh, words right here, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. The word hunger right there means to crave, to crave. When you crave after the right things, when you crave after the right things, uh, what kind of craving are you talking about? You know, uh, how many of you have ever been in a service? I know I have. And I'm in a service and I'm like, uh-huh, worship, worship. Yep, great, let's get to the message. Come on, come on. And I'm not hungering for the things of God. Worship is just a part, much a part of the service as the message is. Giving is just, a, just as much a part. And, you know, people just want to get through things to the thing that they like. And it, many times that's their flesh that identifies with a certain portion or part of God. But we don't need just a part of God. We need right. all of God. Right. We need every facet of the Lord. And so what we have to understand is this is all a part. But what's really going on is while we may hunger, say if we're, if we're mentally we like things uh, to be logical and line up and we're, we like knowledge, then we may hunger for the message and, and go after him there. But we don't hunger for the offering or we don't hunger for worship. That, that was me. I just described me. Get through the worship. Get through, get through the offering. Get me to the message. That was me. I loved that. That's, but it was more fleshly Brian than it was spiritual Brian. Right. But eventually I learned how to receive in the offering. Like, I'll receive big stuff in the offering. Like, he, God will be talking to me in the offering. Like, give me vision, showing me things to come in the offering. Yes, because it's a part of uh, one of the faces of God, the facets of God. There's so much to him. He's so deep. He's so wide. I'll receive in every portion of the service. I receive in the meet and greet. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you today. And they're like, good to see you too. I'm like, I receive that love. Amen. I receive. You know, and all portions of that service. This word here, hunger, means we've got a hunger after him, but it doesn't just mean hunger, it means crave. And I've, I've related that before. It's like go to fasting for you know, about three days. Some of you, it's just like two or three hours before you'll get to this place. But, but some of you, it's several days. And all of a sudden, you know, you're fasting, it's just you, and then somebody in the household, like they order pizza. Like, how rude, you know? And, and you're like, I mean, you can tell what's on it. That's a supreme pizza with, with Italian sausage and green peppers and olives. And they put too much sauce on it. <laughs> 
Somebody was mixing the sauce, added too much oregano. And you're like trying to eat through your nose. You know, <laughs> like all of a sudden, what are you doing? You are craving food. Do we crave God like that? Yes. This is what it's talking about. And when we'll get to the place that we will crave, crave God, crave Him, crave His things, crave His righteousness, you'll be filled. That word filled doesn't just mean like to the full. It means gorged. <laughs> he says, I will fill you. I will yeah. gorge you. Psalm 107. Psalm 107 verse 8. Uh, open up your heart right now to recognize that we haven't been hungry enough. I haven't been hungry enough for a God that's as good as he is. Yeah. If God really is that good, then what kind of hunger does he deserve? Right. Whew, how can you describe it? If God's that good, what kind of hunger does he deserve? Think about that. Meditate on it. Psalm 107, 8 and 9. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. Many times we don't have a feeling of the good or a satisfying because our hunger is not where it should be. It's not at the place of what God deserves. Our hunger, our thirst for him is not at the place where God deserves. And, and how, do, how can we mark that? We one of the ways we can mark that is we've gone to church for years, but nothing's really changed. That shows a lack of hunger, a lack of humility, right? We've got a hunger. This word here, thirst, it means to seek greedily, like a predator after a prey. To seek, like a predator after a prey. Like a predator is going after that. You know, can you imagine like a lion that hasn't eaten for a while, that's hungry, and he sees a, a, a prey. I mean, can you imagine how he would be just licking his lips, you know, slobbering. Like, he, he's greedily seeking. Oh, i, I got to get, sink my teeth in that. That's the way we're supposed to be with the Lord. That's the way we're supposed to walk in here. Greedily. Craving the Lord. And God says, when you'll get that way, I will gorge you. I will fill you. Yeah. I say that to say this. Some time ago, right about the time that Nicole was talking about, we go from dating and she learns to hunger after a man that wasn't me. Her Savior, Jesus Christ. In not in a bad way, in the best way, hunger after him. I was thoroughly pleased that she loves Jesus more than she loves me. Because I also know that if she loves him right, she'll love me right. So, I get that. But I also wanted her to serve him and to worship him more than she worshiped me. Like she should follow his advice over mine. My advice should be his advice, but if it's not, she should follow him over mine. And I'm good with that because I know his advice is always better than mine. And so then all of a sudden, I, we went from that place, we get married, and 
all of a sudden we moved down from Greensboro, you know, uh, we were talking about this earlier, you know, a few hundred thousand people down to Popeton. Six hundred people, no light. We're working, getting, you know, preparing land and house and stuff. And we're like, yeah, we'll just work till it gets dark. Then we'll go out and get something to eat. Everything was closed in Wadesboro. We had to drive 15 minutes away, get to the place. Everything's closed. We found a pizza place that had like 15 minutes left. And thank goodness they were merciful to go ahead and make us a pizza. But we were used to, we could go out any time of the day or night and go get some food. We were just going to work through, you know. We were, there was culture shock to us in that way. Like I said, not like Mexico, but it was, it was American culture shock, you know. And uh, we don't realize how well we have it here. And, uh, but anyway, uh, we get down there and there's nothing. Me, her, and Jesus. And cows. <laughs> and deer. That was about it. That was, that was it. And so we started to grow in our relationship with God. And, and from an early age, you know, even as, as a young, not even in my teenage years, I'm praying over people and watching them healed. You know, I'm seeing that happen. So I, and I knew I was called to serve. Well, to serve God. Well, then my parents get divorced and, you know, I used that as an excuse to not run after God. I used it as an excuse. But then when she gets born again, I don't know, we were sitting at the dinner table, something happened. Something clicked, and it's like it clicked on in adult Brian, the ministry. And I started having a heart to minister again and go after God like I hadn't done since I was young. And so as we go after God, yeah, I feel the Holy Ghost on that. And then that was a hunger. It was, he, helped, he helped bring me alive. Ask him right now. Just say, Father, help bring me alive. Bring my hunger alive. Show me how to move into hunger. And in that moment, so then she had never known him. So we started to grow up together in Christ as brand new newlywed people. And goodness knows we needed Jesus in that relationship. Some of us needed Jesus more than others. <laughs> that was me. I needed more Jesus. But we started going after him. And I started feeling the Lord move on me and starting to draw me to places of a reality. Have you ever, I asked this question last week, have you ever been sick of church? Like just disgusted with church? And sometimes that can be us, like it can be our own like we're not going in with expectation and so we won't get it and it's not the church, it's us. But then sometimes it's church not living up. They're not winning souls. They're not seeing people healed and filled with the Holy Ghost. They're not seeing the power of God in reality. You know, and, and they're not really, all they're doing is checking a box, but there's no spiritual fruit. There's, there's none of these things happening there's no glory being poured out. There's no, there's no people that are really discipling themselves after Christ. That's not what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be a place where much fruit abides because you abide in the vine, right? Where much fruit is there. And, and, and we had gotten to that place, but I just had a hunger where it's like I can't find a church that's producing the fruit in there. And, and I had a hunger on the inside of me to really see the things of God. Like I knew God was real, but like, like Brother David says in those videos, where's his power? So about that time, we are invited to go down to Brownsville Revival. And we go down there, and the first night that we're there at the Brownsville Revival, 
Steve Hill had been the evangelist for about five years, and this was the very first night that he wasn't preaching. And there was a guy preaching, Robert uh, Kayanja or Kenyaja. Uh, huh? Kenyaja is what we said then, but I, I know somebody that knows him now, and he said Kayanja. So um, anyway, but that's how we called it for years. And um, anyway, he was preaching, and that, that night, though I'm sitting at the altar over on that side, around the, around the side, and really big altar, and the Lord says, preach my word, son. And they boomed inside of me, and I just started bawling. And probably the favorite part of that was not the preach, which I'd been know, knowing since I was a kid I was supposed to do, but it wasn't that. It was, he called me his son. His son. And during that week that we were there, we went into the bookstore, and I'm going through, and there's some videos there. And I remember, I think they were like 70 bucks for four videos, and it was Faith to Raise the Dead. Well, that struck a chord inside of me. I went, faith to raise the dead? Like, who's preaching on that? Like, you don't see many people stepping out in boldness to preach that kind of stuff. Because if you preach that way, you better have something. Right? I mean, when's the last time you saw the dead raised? You know that? <laughs> you know? And so, all of a sudden, that caught my attention. I went, I want that. Well, I didn't have $70. We were broke, as broke, as broke, broke, broke. And, uh, but my dad bought, my dad was there and he bought the videos for himself. Well, then when we got back home, I, you know, commandeered those videos and uh, made them mine. And I went and we watched these four videotapes and uh, Faith to Raise the Dead by Brother David Hogan, part one, two, three, and four. And each one was about an hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes. And uh, he started talking about raising the dead, and, and he started talking about seeing about every kind of miracle you could see, and walking in fellowship with God, and the glory of God coming, and angels stirring the pots of food, and nothing being burnt. And he started talking about all these things that were in my spirit that I couldn't find anybody preaching, but I knew it had to be real. It had to be real. God, if God's God, it had to be real. But where is this? Where is this preacher? Where are people living this in America? And literally I was watching the videos and I went, where is this kind of preaching in America? Where is it? Towards the end of those videos, and I think he talks about a little bit in three, but in four he definitely talks about it. And uh, he, all, he had a, uh, a handkerchief. Uh, they always carried, and it was hanging out of his pocket, and he called that his fuego, the fire, uh, fire. And uh, does he still do that? He still does it, yeah. And uh, his fire. And when he'd be praying, he'd pop people, you know, like this. And, and you were there in the video, right? And, uh, and so, anyway, he'd call it his fire. But he started talking about the baptism of fire. I didn't even know what a baptism of fire was. I didn't even know if it was real. But the more he talked about it, the more I got hungry for a baptism yeah. of fire. And I started asking, and I remember watching it one night, and I hit my knees. I said, Lord, I don't even know if this is the right kind of prayer, but I want your baptism. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I want a baptism of fire. I want a baptism of fire. And then just a, a, a few days later, I found myself at a meeting close to Charlotte on the old PTL ground. And there was a guy speaking, and uh, he was talking about having the heart of God or the mind of Christ, one of those two. And he said, if you want the heart of God, stand up for prayer. And um, so I stood up uh, for prayer. And, um, uh, 
And then he goes, I, when, he, when he touched me, I didn't feel a thing. But I was submitting myself uh, to God. And all of a sudden, I fell back. I didn't feel a thing. But when I hit the ground like this, it's like God himself took his finger and put it right in my chest like this and hit me. And I'm in the strongest touch of God I've ever had in my life. I didn't feel anything from the preacher, but I felt that. Instantly, boom, as soon as I felt that, the power of God hit me, and I was, in, I was seeing a vision. And in the vision, I was instantly standing up on a mountaintop, and I was standing like there was a big wide road in front of me, and I was standing here, uh, you know, and the road was going off to my left. And on the road, there were millions of people, just a multitude of people. And they were heading down this direction. And every now and then, I would see like a beam of light in those people. And, in that, and, and they would be getting born again, right? And, and all of a sudden, it was kind of like Star Trek where they'd get beamed up, you know. And uh, uh, it'd be like, zoop, zoop. But it was only a few. It was just a few. The masses of people were going down this road, and at the end of the road, they were falling off into the lake of fire. And instantly, my heart started to break for everyone. And, and you remember the prayer was to have the heart of God or, the, or to see uh, the mind of Christ and have the mind of Christ. So I wanted to know what God knows, what God feels. I wanted to feel those things and see those things. I want to tell you what God felt. What would happen is they get to the end of the road, which represented the end of their life here on this earth. And right at the end, they'd see, I'm about to fall into the lake of fire. I'm about to fall into hell for eternity. They would get scared, flip out, and turn back, but it was too late. They didn't know what to do. And the wave of humanity would push them over the edge. All of their past habits, all of the worldliness, there was nobody there that could save them. They turned and hopelessly got pushed over the edge. And listen, every single one that fell over that cliff, it was like, an, and it was like a dagger went straight into my heart and twisted. It wasn't a cumulative of all the people. It wasn't just one time and kept twisting. No, it wasn't that. Every one was an individual breaking of the heart of God and twisting because God cares about souls. He cares about souls. He cares about every single one. I felt every one, so much so that the pressure of it was so much on my body. Now, I'm in this vision. I'm seeing it. I'm feeling, I'm feeling God in it. I'm feeling this, this presence, and the, I'm feeling all of this, this heartbreak that the Father feels for every person that's not led to the Lord. And it, it affected me so much physically, I literally thought I was going to die. And I, I prayed and you know, from that place. I said, Father, if you don't, I think if you don't take this from me, I'm going to die here on this ground in this tent. And, you know, and then it lifted and I didn't pass away. But I got a heart for the souls of God. For the souls that he wants to win. And I can't leave them at that place. I've got to tell them I've got to do my part. You've got to do your part. God cares about every single one. But when I got up from that. 
came out of the vision and the pain of that lifted. And I'm bawling like a baby. I mean, I'm sobbing like snot slinging. It was ugly crying, you know? Because all of a sudden, when I got up from that, I was touched with the fire of God. My body shook. Nicole can tell you, my body shook for three days straight. My, my stomach was sitting there like this, constantly like this, just moving. I couldn't stop it. I'd try to mentally like, stop, stop. It wouldn't stop. For three days straight, she'd tell, I, and I said, look, feel this. And she was like, that is weird. I'm like, I know, you ought to feel it. And it would just, the power of God was on me. And what I had was a baptism of fire, and I didn't, I didn't know about it. Who, who was teaching me about it? I didn't even know anybody that knew what that was. He was just talking about it on the video, and I said, I want it. And God said, okay, here, boom. I hungered for it. I, I got so hungry for it, I remember praying in our, in our bedroom, hitting my knees, crying, Lord, I need your fire. I need your fire. I was hungry. What does the word say? When you get hungry, you shall be Field. You'll be gorged. I, every time, every time the Holy Spirit would move for two or three months, it'd start going like it kicked right back up. After three days, it didn't do it 24-7 anymore. But then anytime I'd pray in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit would move, it'd kick up and start, and that fire would just kindle. And, and it just like this. It was awesome, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know anybody that had ever experienced that. And after a period of time, I didn't know how to maintain it. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know. I was young and couldn't find anybody preaching like this. Experiencing God for who he really was. Going after his heart. And over time we went through and I would say that it lessened and it lessened. And every, every now and then there'd be like a leftover coal, but it wasn't a raging fire anymore. And, and then you start a church and, you know, if you, if you have any experience with God, you're going to go after him some. Well, I'm, you know, just a, that old Marine thinking I'm going after him. With, I'm not saying no. I'm not quitting. I'm just going after him. And we would, we would win more souls than people around us. We'd have more healing. You know, We always had fruit, but it, it was like something was wrong. And then I fell into the trap, the religious trap. Well, I'm just a teacher, and I'm just teaching people how to win souls. And I fell into that. And then a few years ago, the Lord started drawing me to hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. And all of a sudden, he drew me into a fast and went through. And y'all know, know parts of that story. And, and a 40-day fast, and then a few months later, and did another 40-day fast. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I was like, after something. And, and I get to the first. Now, listen to this. This is really interesting because we've got to understand what level we're operating at. How can you truly be hungry for God if you don't really know what God's looking for? And so I get to the end of a 40-day fast, no solid food. I don't even know anybody that's done it at that time besides people I've seen and heard about. I get to the end of that, and all of a sudden, this is what God tells me. You're not hungry enough. Say what? Not hungry enough? I just didn't eat for 40 days. Jesus, you're not hungry enough. I'm like, I thought at least a 40-day fast would prove that I was hungry. It wasn't that I wasn't hungry. I wasn't hungry enough. 
In other words, there was some more that I needed to go down. I had become so average in my thinking, and even though our average was higher than other people's, it wasn't where Jesus wanted it to be. There was more. To whom much is given, much is required. How much have you been given? How much have you been given? We've been given Jesus. So how much then is required? All of us. And so all of a sudden I started getting hungry. I said, Lord, make me hungry. I started hungering after the Lord, hungering after the Lord. And then the Lord spoke to me. I never did understand the baptism of fire till this time. It was just a few years ago. I had had it, I'd experienced it, I'd received it, I'd walked in it, but I didn't understand it. And about that time, in between the first, uh, in the second, second fast, I'm driving down the road and the Lord says this. He says, what you're after is fresh fire. In the middle of this, a little bit before that, uh, there was an evangelist talking about souls. And all of a sudden he started talking about souls and winning souls. And I started being convicted. And I had all my logic why I wasn't a soul winner. I had all my logic. I had all my, my false doctrine about not being a soul winner. But then inside of me the Holy Ghost was saying, no, that thinking is wrong. You've been wrong. You've allowed the crust of religion to come on you. And all of a sudden I recognize that crust. And what do you do when Jesus points out something that you're missing? You repent quickly. And when I repented, oh, the crust and the weight of that religion fell off. And I, again, I'm snot slinging, crying, boo. It was ugly. It was a mess. But I didn't care. I want, listen, I was more hungry for Jesus than I was. I was more hungry for Jesus than I was for how I looked in front of people. God says, if you get hungry like that, you'll be filled. Right after that's when he said, I moved on that hunger to win souls. I went to a place, I honored that anointing. All of a sudden, right in that place, he says, what you're after is fresh fire. I said, Lord, then send it on. And I started studying about the baptism of fire. I started seeing that. And it wasn't just a few days later, I was in prayer with the Lord and I had another vision. And I saw coming from heaven, it wasn't billowing smoke, it was billowing fire. And I knew that it was on the way. And it was right after that, started praying for people. And people were like, oh, good grace, I'm hot. Woo, woo, woo. And all, you know, all of a sudden, I knew that I was starting to walk in more of a fresh fire. And I'd pray for them. And the heat of God, the fire of God would come on. they start catching. And the Lord said, I want, you to, I want you to kindle people all over the world with the fire of God. Now, I say that not only to produce hunger in you. But I also say that, come on up, Brother Chico. Because I know in this ministry that he's worked in for those years, they've walked in a hunger and a humility and a fire of God. And I want you to receive a part of that. To receive, Lord, I'm, I'm more hungry for you than I am anything else. Lord, what do you have for me today? I'm hungry for you. We'll go. We'll just be led. Um, right now when he's talking about hunger. So if you're talking, when we understand what healthy is, uh, hunger is always a good sign that you're healthy. When someone's sickly and they've lost their appetite, everybody freaks out. They're going down. They're dying. They're, they're, they're headed to hospice. When someone's lost their appetite, their body starts shutting down, and they're not hungry, 
So, there's a, so that's always a healthy sign. But there's a couple of different types of hunger. There's a hunger because a man's out in the field working all day and he's expending energy and his body is a machine that needs to be fed and needs to be fueled, right? And then there's another hunger that someone's been neglected uh, physically and they, they, they don't have food and they're starving and it's out of desperation. Both of those things, are, they're okay because that's all of us are in different places. And I'm an encourager. What he's talked to you about right now is how he got to the feast, how he got to the table, how he participated, how that has benefited his life. Now he is on fire, and that's going to show, that manifest, and that should strike up hunger in you. And as uh, inside this structure that you have, it looks like, um, you know, he, it doesn't like, so he's not a hireling. He looks like he's a family man. So he, he's excited about showing you, also, like the thing, could y'all put up the, not the logo, but the thing that y'all had up about y'all's church? The vision, yeah, okay, so this is where everything's at. I mean, uh, me coming here, I don't even know you, but me coming here immediately, you can ask my wife, everything uh, is just, it's like we've known each other forever. It's like we're, the spirit, this is what the spirit is saying. Um, it just is. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that to network with you. I'm telling you, this is what the Spirit is saying. And the house of love and prayer, the thing that they did the other night, 10 to 6, that's first love type stuff. That's first love type stuff. That's what the sister was talking about. She was talking about a crazy, illogical we don't even understand how you could have the energy when you was boyfriend and girlfriend to do the chaotic things that you did because you were so enamored in love with that person. And then Jesus gets a hold of us. And then you stayed up. You had to work in the morning. Then you heard of a revival over here. Then you did this and you did so the, the, the most illogical things to just experience him. I was talking to my kids the other day how when I first got saved and someone invited me down to that revival that he was talking about, we stood in a line for hours and hours and hours to go to church. Someone who doesn't understand what was going on in that building would say, that is, that's a cult. Like, it don't even make sense. How could you be brainwashed enough to sit? What was going on? He was there. He was there. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't about any man. He was there. I don't even get it. I don't even understand. It wasn't. It just he was there. And and people who were there wanted him. That was it. There was a hunger. There was a thirst. And it didn't matter if it was 110 degrees. You were sitting out there for eight hours. It did not matter because you wanted him. And you were filled. And you were filled because you expected him. Okay, uh, put it back up there, please. That, okay, House of Love and Prayer. So we're sitting here singing these beautiful love songs to Jesus right now, right? Because that is the, the biggest thing. The secret place. Ministering unto him. Love, okay, we can sing these beautiful songs. When I'm sitting here singing these songs, the realities of who he is, he's here. I feel his presence like she was talking about. He's here. Everything is fixed in his presence. 
But then you walk, but, but at the same time, you do walk out of the upper room. You do walk out of the glory cloud. Now what does that look like? Love. You continue to minister to Jesus because he says the way you're treating the least among you, the most insignificant person, the drunk on the corner, that's how you're treating me. So now this thing goes from a love song in a corporate worship setting to now into practice worshiping him with the expression of loving others, which makes you hungry. The sharing and the giving is a bare essential in the Gospels. If you read the New Testament, I'm not talking about modern day evangelicals. I'm talking about read the Bible. You will see that sharing is just as much as praying, as fasting, as giving, as any of the other stuff. Sharing was what it looked like. They gave. What did they have? They didn't have the Bible. They had been with Jesus, though. They changed the world, unlearned men, and they couldn't hold it in. He was talking, something I always allude to in 1 John. This is John talking 30 years after the carnate Jesus had flew up to heaven. But he spoke in a tone as if he was with him every single day. And he says, you know, I'm doing this. I've been burnt with tar. I've been left on the island of Patmos. You're my children. I continually share this thing that I touch, this life, this gospel that has the power and the salvation for those who believe. I share this so that you can come and be part and commune and partake of this thing that I still got going on with Jesus. I'm not pronouncing to you a new religion. And it's amazing. And the, the whole thing, when it's, so, so the, the thing that he's talking about, hunger, the first thing that he alluded to was hunger and thirst. So most of you would agree, you're going to say amen, amen all day long. It's in the Bible. It's Matthew. We've heard it all. It's the Sermon on the Mount, right? That's where that comes. Okay. We say, amen, amen, amen. We know that. But most of you will say, how do we get hungry? We believe with our whole heart that if we hunger and thirst, we shall be filled. But how do we fabricate hunger inside of us? Because that is the practical side of it. We believe it. But how do we get there? And I'm going to tell you that when you go and you surrender and you give your life away and you come in contact with the prostitute, with the discouraged man who's been in church his whole life that's ready to kill himself, with the, 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 the brother, the, the, the young man that's strung out on crystal methamphetamines, when you go and you intertwine yourself with the lost and the broken, and you stay in contact with the lost, you realize that you need something more than church participation. You realize, and God does it. Something. You're in the secret place with God. He shares, he, he downloads his, his burden on you. You feel the pain. You're not in here practicing prophecy anymore. You're going out and giving words of life to dead people. And then your heart breaks. And now you will ask, 
James says, you don't receive because you don't ask. And then you don't receive because then you ask just because you're selfish. But then, you, then you're connected with somebody. You realize, no, these people need a real help. And as you give and you ask and then you ask for the right reasons and then you see life come on these people. You come into community. You come in family with these people. You're excited. And that's how you stay hungry. Well, how did it make sense? We're doing this. No, no. Because as you work, I talked about our hunger. The man out working, he's hungry. And it's a crazy concept, but he gives you more. Why would he? He never told the disciples, go, sit in Jerusalem, wait, be endued with power so you can have this big title, a uh, super apostle. <laughs> he didn't. He said, there is power coming. It's absolute necessary. I'm going to build my church through you. Go and wait. So when you receive this power, you're going to be my witnesses. And when you witness of me, you lift me high. All power and authority has been given to me. You'll be able to make disciples. You're not going to understand it. It makes no sense that a message of Jesus has the power to save people and, and determine their eternity. It only makes sense. That's why Paul says to the, to the Greeks, it's foolishness. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. It, he says, but you know what? I will, I'm, I'm only going to preach Christ and him crucified. It's not by the wisdom of this world. It makes no sense. And you know what? Isaiah even told us this, this is what God was going to do anyway. He was going to confuse them. And he was going to take the, the, the people that feel like they're nobody, that are completely surrendered unto Jesus. And I'm going to change the world. And it's the message of Christ. And it's that simple. So we were in this glory. We still are in this glory. We still, God's doing something. But tomorrow morning, when you went through some hours... And your flesh, and you've kind of not ignored God, but we're not concentrating on him as much as right now. And you wake up, and you have your fleshly appetites full in motion. But you say, nope, I'm intentional. I want you. God, take, take, me, take over me. Make me aware. Open my eyes. Let me see the harvest. Let me see the souls that you bought. Because see, for, the most, for, for most of you, you will say, that is all good. And then when you get home, the, the demon, the devil immediately wants to intimidate you. I, but I can't do that. I don't want to look like a crazy fanatic extreme. Look at these idiots, Christians on the TV, how they're representing us. They're so foolish. That ain't the love of Jesus. He wants you to be Jesus people. Yeah. Jesus people. And then all of a sudden, whoa. And it becomes, it, it, then it's not outreach anymore. It's just life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In the Walmart, you want to love on people. Yeah. You want to do something that you, they, they, before you would just be kind of selfish. I have my own agenda. I got to get here. I got to get there. Then you say, no, 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 no. To the least of these. Yeah. Jesus is going to, I'm, I'm going to give a count. And then you, when you realize that you're a son and daughter, the identity thing that he said, he said, preach, but, he, but a son. Yeah. See, when you can see you how God sees you, then you, all of that fear, yeah. all of those blocks, all those walls, all that confusion just goes away. 
And you say, I can't, how can I fail? Really? You know, the fact of the matter is we are in our daddy's mansion and there are valuable things everywhere. And sometimes we break them, we mess them up, but we're in daddy's house. And he owns it all. As you get older, you do see the value when you walk a little more cautiously. But we're sons and daughters. And sons and daughters fall down and bump their knees. So when you go out and you intertwine and you intermingle with lost, broke people, and it doesn't turn out like the evangelicals told you it would, because they have given you a, a measurement stick of what success looks like or not. But let me ask you something. As those of you who have children, your children, are you satisfied with them when they're obedient? Or I have three boys. All of their giftings are different. All of their levels of skills are different. Do I, am I satisfied with one other than the other because he has a better skill set? Or when they're obedient? When they're obedient. And that's the satisfaction. You can't lose. How can you lose? I'm just telling you, give yourself away. Give yourself. I'll, I'll give you one example. That I, because like I said, tomorrow morning, you will wake up in your flesh, like he said, it's going to want to do something else. That's pretty natural. That doesn't mean you're evil. That's just normal. But you come and you sit at his feet because why? Because he told Martha, you see what your sister's doing? It's necessary. It's not a good thing. It's necessary. So, and so I want you to be encouraged. And I'm going to tell you this, this. One of the, I have lots of churches under me. I, I, have, I rent a little apartment up in the mountains. I, I work with Indians. Uh, there's 20 villages around me where there's no gospel. Um, I have like 40 churches that work under me. There's a bunch of young men and young ladies being discipled. Da -da, good stuff. Okay. Um, but one of the main guys that I work with, this is super illogical. He's blind. He's been blind from birth. His name's Samuel. Uh, we've seen miracles. I, his, his mom was fixing to die. Uh, I, I went to pray for her. Felt the gift of uh, faith in that moment. She was healed instantly. All around her, we've seen miracles. All the uh, crazy miracles. He's blind, though. One day I saw him. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of thrown off because he's kind of, you know, he lives in a laborious, uh, is that right, laborious culture. You know, they, they're farmers. He's blind. There's no, there's no, so, and he's the only son. So he's almost like a burden. He's not an asset. He's a burden in that culture. And he's kind of sitting there. He's got his guitar. I said, man, can you really, you, you, can you sing? I mean, can you play that? Yeah. He starts playing. You know, sheepish, cowardly. He starts playing. I said, man. You know any what songs? Starts playing those worship songs. I says, you want to come with me? Yeah. Because that's another way that y'all are going to get out and do what you're supposed to be doing. Going. Seeing him go. Y'all go. Everybody go. And it, that's what it's going to look like. That, that's what family looks like. And so I said, you want to come with me? Yeah. 
So he comes and it's, it's awkward. He's blind. He's holding on to my shoulder. We, we live in the mountains, the jungles. Hey, man, there's a cliff. There's, a, there's, 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 there's mud. There's, you know, I mean, it is what it is. So he starts worshiping God. So we go to this village. I say, we're going to go to this village. There's no gospel. All right, let's go. So we start walking. No one wants to hear. So then this man finally says, yeah, yeah come on in. I, 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 want, I want to hear what you got to say. So we go in. But the man only wants to speak his Indian dialect. I can speak it a little bit, but this is, that's, his, that's his dialect, Samuel's dialect. So he starts, I said, well, Samuel, and I don't know to this point, I don't know how much Bible he knows. He starts witnessing to this guy the gospel, the life, resurrection, ascension, the coming back of Jesus. This guy believes, repents, gets born again. Him and his family. They later get baptized, and now it's a full-blown, going, stable church that this blind man started, his kid. And he now, I'm I'm here in America right now, he right now is the pastor there. He goes and and it's a long ways from his village, but he figures out how to go there every 15 days, every two weeks, and pastor that place. And we saw a kid uh, healed of this chronic asthma. And, and God's just doing amazing things. So I said all that to say this. If a blind kid, Indian, in Mexico, can watch the kingdom of God be built with very limited resources as far as money, can't read because he can't see, but it just don't matter. If you're available, Jesus wants to build his church. And that's all, it's, that's all it amounts to. You have living in you the spirit that raised him from the dead. They're just, it's very arrogant. And who are we? We always claim, well, we're slaves to righteousness. You bought us with your blood. We, we proclaim those things in our songs. We say it. But all the day long, we tell him, first of all, because you all remember when he died, the veil ripped, right? Because God, his whole plan this whole time was to restore us back to him. Yeah. And so he did that for us. In Hebrews, it says, now there's a new and living way. Come to my throne with boldness, right? The, the veil ripped. Inviting us in. Come on in. Come back to me. Now it can happen. The time has come. And we basically look at him with our actions, and we say, man, you know what? Thanks. That was good, but I'm kind of busy. I'll show up at my worldly religions called Christianity once in a while. I'll do my dues. I'm okay with you because I prayed that prayer, but I really don't have time to do that extreme stuff. And that's been his whole purpose the whole time is just for us to be with him. And then when he says, go and, 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 and gather up my harvest, open your eyes, the harvest is plentiful. We say, but we can't. We don't know much of the Bible. What will people think? We will be persecuted socially so bad. That's just not my personality. 
The American church has taught me that, well, that's the kind of the pastor's job. But who are we to tell him no? If we really believe he's Lord, he's master, we're surrendered, who are we to tell him no? We just don't have that. We don't get that right. And as Americans, we're even more bewitched to believe that we have all these rights. We have the right to surrender. We've been given the grace to be dead men. That are on a, we cannot be offended because we're dead. And it's a beautiful thing. And we need to embrace it and just... In the morning. Because you, be, you have to be intentional. Just like you're intentional to make sure that you make it to work, why do you do that? Because you want to eat, you want to be successful, and you know if you don't, you will not have a job. Because you consider that a need. And just like I say, also, Jesus told Mary, that's a need. That's necessary. So whether you feel it or not, Go. Go to the secret place. Go to the secret place. Be intentional. And then go. He will open your eyes. He will grace you. He will give you everything that you need. He is here with us. He is for us. Don't take anything I've said as condemnation at all. Please understand. Because a lot of you will say, well, I'm not prepared. That's a lie. The Samaritan woman, how prepared was she? She was divorced five times. She was a woman in the East. She was a Samaritan, not a Jew. She was presently living in fornication or adultery. Never had been to Bible school. And yet Jesus reveals to her, to the greatest revelations of all. I am the Messiah. And now the whole system of worship has changed. Her eyes somehow, someway, mysteriously, a miracle happens. Somehow God reveals to her that he's the son. She takes off running. Tells her whole village about it. And they come and meet Jesus. It's just really not about you and me. If you're willing and you're available, he will use you. He told the disciples, look at me, guys. Right before he flew up into heaven, he says, look at me. All now, he was resurrected. You can imagine they were freaked out. They were like, whoa. You know what I mean? He's resurrected. He says, look at me. All power in heaven and earth is mine. Understand, I got this, all of it. Now, go and make disciples. See, he established first who was given the orders and the power and the authority that they would take. So the orders after that are irrelevant. And that's why they went wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly surrendered, and they did not love their lives unto death. Paul was so into it that the believers said, look, dude, you're going to jail. Don't go. I'm going, you don't get it, guys. I got to get to Rome 
And I got to tell the message of the gospel to these officials, even if I got to go and get to them through prison. It's just, it's just big, man. This thing's big, and, it, and, it, and he chose you and me. It's a beautiful thing. And so many people, so many so-called Christians are so dissatisfied or, or not satisfied because we have left out. We have disregarded, as brothers and sisters, we have basically created a hireling system, a clergy laity system, and we have just left out the bare essential of sharing and giving. When those young men go with me, those young ladies, they, I say, hey, you're gonna, you, you want to share today? Man, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know anything. Well, did you meet Jesus? You quit drinking yesterday. You threw away your idols. God, you've changed. You didn't care. You went down to the river. You got baptized in front of everybody. I mean, you took a bold declaration. Yeah, that's all you need. Because that's all. That's, it's, it's simple. It's just not hard. And, and I love you, and I, I, yeah, we can stay here all day, but I, I, I mean, like I told him, we're family kingdom people. I couldn't believe how much there was in common when we came in here, and just, I mean, she can, Casey, me and Casey was like, that's crazy, you know, because it's just crazy. It's awesome. It's awesome. God is doing something. God's bringing everybody back to community, to family, authenticity, power. The, the, the fluff and, the, and, and you know, the, the whole, the, the mega church culture is basically making full circle. People are, t- they're done with it. Now people want family. People want real power, real, real gospel. Let's walk this thing out. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and revivals, it's, it's here, man. It's in the air, bro. The hunger. I mean, God's just, I mean, everything's going pretty good where I'm at. I mean, but I have been hungry. I, I, I've been going to places and seeking and, and, and doing things because I'm, I'm hungry. I don't never want to become cold and become so-called mature where I don't have a childlike faith expecting that glory to glory. Man, I don't want that. I don't want to believe in the works and be duped by what People say it's successful. Hallelujah. Jesus. Be encouraged. The feast, listen, the feast is always spread out waiting. It's a choice. I understand sometimes you don't feel like you can get to the table. I got that. And there's a mysterious grace and mercy. Somehow, somehow, he, 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 he brings you here. But one of the ways he does that, by us talking to each other, us living it, pouring more gas on the fire. People get excited. They want that what you got. You know what I'm saying? They, they want that. Hallelujah. God bless you. Uh, I, I, Casey, please come up here and tell about that girl who just got uh, healed. There was a sister, one of our sisters, not a lady, not a member in the church, one of our dear sisters who just went through something really tough. And this was just happened. This wasn't 20 years ago. Uh, and I'd like her to share with you. Okay. That light is really bright. <laughs> um, this was 
very recently, just a few days before we came out, um, one of the sisters that we're close with came up and she sat down next to me and she was like, I need y'all to be praying. Um, the doctors told me that I have a really big tumor in my brain. And she said that she had started losing her vision and her hearing. And so that was when she went to go find out what was wrong. And they're like, you have a huge tumor. It's pressing on your nerves. And at any minute, it could kill you. You have to have surgery done immediately. But it was just going to be an astronomical amount of money to have that done. And in Mexico, you can't have the surgery until you've paid for it. And she's like, there's no way ever that I could pay for this. So she's like, I don't know what to do. I've got little kids. Her husband's gone to the States working. And um, so she's like, I just, I need prayer. So we prayed for her. She left. She went back. And her symptoms started going away. So she had a friend that was like, there's this specialist that will do, he'll check you and see if he can do anything. So she went to the specialist and they did an MRI and he's like, I don't know why you're here. This is for people that are in really grave situations. And they had her previous MRI and they're like, we don't know what happened, but it's disappeared. So she was really overjoyed and blessed. And I just wanted y'all to hear that because just for the simple fact that we're available. Like, people need to know that. And I'm not going, I'm not saying you go out and pronounce yourself, but somehow, some way, people need to know that you're willing, you're available to get down in the dirt and the mud with them. It has to go beyond pretty church. It really does. I mean, the first world people, they're so ready to throw money at a situation rather than their time. It's a little more convenient in the, the, how we've grown up. But I'm telling you, people need your time. There's so many lost, broken people that are fatherless, that are motherless, that need the Jesus that's inside of you. <laughs> they, they need it, man. It's just, that's the answer. That's, Jesus is the answer. That's not a cliche. It's really, really the answer. And um, love y'all. Amen. Just stay up here with me. I just want, you know, we're talking about hunger. We're talking about desiring for the things of God. As we wrap up today. I believe that part of what you sense is, Lord, I need to be hungering after you more. I need to be going after you. There's things in you. I need to be willing. You know, well, I haven't wanted to give my time. And recognizing that. I haven't wanted to give myself. And we recognize that. And we say, you know what? That's got to change. That's not what this gospel is. It's, it's not just for, you know, pastors and missionaries. And it's not just for that. It's for every believer to say, Lord, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. And, I'm, and I might recognize that I've not been as hungry as I need to be. And I might recognize I need to step this thing up. And if I need to step it up, if I need to step it up, then, Lord, I'm available. And, and, or I need to be hungry, and I don't even want to be hungry, but I need to be hungry. Like, I don't even know what I need. A lot of times, you know, we're not hungry because we filled ourselves up on other things. 
We've been eating the wrong things. We've been filling it, you know, filling our time with other stuff. Or, or we don't know that it's available, you know. You get to talking like it's, you know, 1240 now. And if I sat here and I started to describe a nice juicy steak or, you know, I know right now I'd have your attention. So the more you talk and get to know what is available in God, the more that, that Brother David talked about the fire of God and the reality of God. I got hungry. So you get around people who are talking about it, who are living it, who are experiencing experiencing it like you mentioned in 1 John 1. You start to talk and hear people talk about the reality of God in their lives. You, you purpose yourself. You're intentional to get around them. All of a sudden you start to get a hunger to walk like that. You start, because why? Because you naturally are created to be that. You're created in the image and the likeness of God. You're created to do those works and greater. You are created to walk in the supernatural. You're created to carry the fire and the glory of God. You're created to carry his essence of who he is, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. You are created for this. It's who you are. God's saying this morning, it's time for you to recognize that and to step out and to say, Lord, Help me to be who I'm created to be. I'm not waiting any longer. And so what I want to do, I want them to just play some music. And I want you, if you want to just come and meet God, you come and just kneel at the altar. If you want to come and you want prayer, I want, I want him to pray over me. I want pastor to pray over me. You just come and stand. The ushers will help you. But I want us to play that music. And I just want us to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. I might not feel like I'm worthy of it, but you'll take your fire and you will cleanse me and purify me and you will send me. And so, Lord, we just praise you this morning. Thank you for your, for your word, Lord. Thank you for your heart for hunger. Lord, thank you for it all. Just stand up with me right now. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. Lord, we hunger after you. We hunger and thirst. We crave you, Lord. We crave your things. This morning, we will not be satisfied with the spiritual junk food of the world. We will not be satisfied any longer. There's more in you. I know it. I want it. I desire it. And I'll have it. Lord, I want you. Lord, I need you. I've got to have you. I can't do this without you. And by faith, this morning, I'm grabbing hold of you. Play that music. Uh, by faith, I've got you. I need you. And Lord, I have you. You are mine. You've made yourself available. And I will walk with you. And Lord, I thank you. So right now, if that's you, you either need to have a moment with the Lord. Look, don't, don't sit in your seat and have a moment with the Lord. Time after time in the gospel, men decided by taking a stand, I can remember one time where Moses said, if you're choosing the Lord, you come stand with me. But if you're not, you stay on that side of the camp. There's a time where, and this is one of those moments, this is one of those days where it's important for you to take a physical step and say, Lord, I'm choosing to hunger after you today. I need you. And, and if you need, like I said, you need the time with the Lord, just hit your knees at the altar. You want prayer, then you just stand.